Hi, welcome to the Dr. Mallory Sexual Fetish Podcast. Thanks for stopping by. I am pleased to have you here. The following you will hear are clips and audio from my YouTube channel, where I answer sexual fetish questions from all across the world. If you would like to contact me and be one of my special sex therapy clients, please join my OnlyFans. You can find the link on my website, drmallory90210.com. Enjoy the show. Hello, Ty. Hi, how are you? I'm good. It's good to to not, well, to not see you. It's good <laughs> to have you here. Um, thank you for coming on. Um, we're having you on about your book. Can you tell us the title of your book? Uh, sure. Um, basically, this is a... Um, Oh boy, how do I say this here? I'm, I'm trying to kind of summarize also what I'm kind of, well, I guess I'll just, um, I'll just basically tell you the title first and kind of give a quick thing here. But yeah, it's just called Gentlemen's Clubs. And it's how following five specific rules will bring success in dating an exotic dancer. Okay. Yeah, I read it. I read it uh, the other day and I really enjoyed it. I have to say it was very fun. Well, thank um, you. Yeah. But what, so you wrote this book about um, how to help men date an exotic dancer, someone who works in a strip club, for lack of a better word, correct? Yes. And if I could also clarify one thing, too, um, while this is kind of geared toward men, in a sense, it will work uh, for women as well. And I meant to actually make that clear. So this will definitely, definitely work for for anybody. So for women, so women that want to date an exotic dancer or for women that are exotic dancers? Well, I'm sorry. Again, I should even clarify that. You're right on both accounts. So I wrote the book so that, yes, the first part of that is, yes, if you're a woman seeking another woman in one of in one of these gentlemen's clubs, it, that will definitely work. And if you also want to work in one of these clubs, uh, I, you know, I think they will find very helpful information in here about how these clubs operate. So uh, yes and yes, I guess you could say. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, I really enjoyed it. So I mean, it sounds like a lot of fun if you're a man who enjoys, you know, beautiful women, especially girls that uh, frequent those clubs as, you know, as the uh, the dancers and things like that. And is it true among men that they always do have the fantasy? I mean, I know the answer, but is it true among men that they always have the fantasy of dating one of these girls? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. So you embarked on uh, probably everybody's guy, guy's dream of trying to figure out the best way to do that. And you did say in the book, um, which I'm going to have a link to um, in that when I post this on my podcast, I'm going to have a link to it. You did say in the book that you guys consecutively dated, I think it was 150 women. Is that true? No, no. again, I have to also clarify that. No, no. Actually, what I was saying was that uh, probably between both of us, we had the opportunity to, per, you know, to, to probably date that many women. We didn't. We just dated a very, 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 very small amount okay. but that we actually had the chance to. That's more what I was saying in the book. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, but I thought that was impressive either way. Um, so in the book, you talk about the best ways to approach dating a, a woman like that. Um, and even though the exotic dancer stereotype may be somewhat, you know, blonde, buxom, you know, everything, whatever, you know, Barbie dollish, that's not actually true. There's all sorts of shapes and sizes and varieties of those types of uh, women that work in those clubs. Right. Yes. Yes. Correct. Correct. Yes. And I actually make note of that, that, you know, I think most people would be surprised if they haven't been in in one of these uh, places, one of these venues. Um, many of them, not every club, you know, every club kind of has its own like unique, I guess, dynamics, you could say. But mm -hmm. many of the clubs, you will see that the women run the gamut. And I think I mentioned from like 
you know, uh, supermodels, you know, maybe like a Heidi Klum were like rail thin and pretty to all the way down to, I think I mentioned uh, Tess Holiday, who's like a, what's considered like a big, beautiful woman uh, type of person. And so they, they literally do run the gamut. And so, yes, I kind of make that clear that I think popular to, uh, or I think rather counter to, I think most stereotypes. Yeah, I think whether you're a man or woman going into one of these places, you'll find that there's usually a, you know, quite a range of entertainers that work here, that, you know, that work in those places rather. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, just because we have you on, Ty, what what's your type? I mean, you know, most guys are pretty open, but what's your type? What type of woman would you like to seek if you were see, to see that's, that's the thing though. I, I'm I'm kind of weird. My type, my taste kind of kind of change. I mean, I've gone out with very thin women, uh, you know, probably like a Heidi Klum or something like that. And I've gone out with women probably like a Tess Holiday or um I think I mentioned Ashley Graham and all the way in between. I've gone out with uh, you know, female bodybuilders. I've gone out with fitness competitors. I think it kind of runs the gamut. So mm-hmm. I'm not really sure if I have an actual type. I think it just kind of just kind of varies. I think from day to day or time to time. I think. Well, you do know that I specialize in fetishes, correct? Correct. Okay, so if you were to maybe define a type of fetish that you have, would there be anything that comes to mind? Well, I would say this. I'm certainly a leg man. I've always been a leg man, and I like very thick, powerful legs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess probably one of my fetishes would be either to, you know, some kind of leg play where I probably play with a woman's legs. Yeah. Or maybe maybe she kind of, you know, very gently kind of chokes me, not quite chokes me out, but kind of just very gently squeezes me between her legs. That might be one of mine, probably. Have you had any experience with that that you'd like to share? <laughs> yes, I I actually do. I actually do have a longtime friend. I won't give her a real name. I'll say she's uh Jane. And um I actually met you her like at Jane a of gym. the Jungle. Jane of the Jungle. I like it. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Yes. And and that is true in, in more than you can you can know. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but um I, I met her about twenty two years wait, wait, ago. Wait, wait. Go back. Sure. So she has a hairy bush, is that what you're saying? She does indeed. <laughs> she okay, does. Go ahead. Go you ahead. Know, you, know, you know, just to clarify, uh, you mentioned fetishes. That's another fetish. I like them where I'll just say this. To me, it should be a fire hazard where <laughs> if a spark goes in there, it's it's over. It's like an inferno. That's kind of also one of my fetishes. But um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, she she started out actually as a bodybuilder. I met her in the late 90s at a gym at, the, at a local gym I used to go to. And she did some local competitions and then few years later, she kind of changed into more of the, um, what do you call it? More like the fitness type of competitors. So they're mm-hmm. a little bit more slimmed down. They're not as bulked up, but they're still very muscular. And she still has, you know, you know, I like very thick legs. And so her legs were still very, very thick. So mm-hmm. um, anyway, uh, she's, how do I say this? She's given me the, uh, I'll say this. She's indulged me, let's say, in that fantasy a couple of times. So, and that's been great. Putting her legs and kind of choking you a little bit with her. Right, body. right, right. Yeah. Not like anything painful or where it's sort of dangerous, but just, yeah. just you know, kind of playfully. That sounds fun. That's a way. That's a good way to go, Ty. If you ever have to oh, go, very fun. In fact, in fact, that's why I want to go. When I go, go. That's why I want to check out of here. <laughs> you got to have that fire hazard that you're looking at, though, right there when you do pass away. <laughs> that, would, that would help. It, it, you know, not a requirement, but that would help. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, anyway, thank you for sharing that. So back sure. to your book. Um, in this book, the gentleman's, uh, tell me the title again. I want to say it correctly. What's it called? Sure. 
Sure. So it's gentlemen's clubs and then with the, uh, with the colon and then it's following five specific rules or bring success in dating and exotic dancer. Okay. Gentlemen's clubs, how bringing five specific rules will bring success in dating and exotic dancer, exotic dancers in the title. Correct. Correct. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so in there you have five rules and they're very good. And if anyone's interested, uh, the book is available on Amazon. You can download it on Kindle or whatever reader you have that accepts Amazon books. And um, it's it's only, um, I think you have it priced at $5.99, correct? Well, if if they buy the Kindle edition, it's $4.99. And if they want a paperback, it's $7.99. But I okay. still think it's, I still think either way is cheaper than the majority of books out there. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. It's a very... And it's a very good read. Ty, you are a journalist. You've worked many years as a journalist, correct? Yes, correct. Correct. I uh, I worked at four different newspapers over about a 17-year period. Um, actually, when I was in high school, I was chosen uh, for an internship. Out of about 600 people, there was about seven of us that were chosen for an internship. This was back in the early 80s. So I started out in high school writing for a daily uh, newspaper in the uh, city of Redlands, Redlands, California, and then uh, moved on to a couple of others. And my last gig was in 2001 when I moved to uh, Los Angeles and I got hired to write for a crime magazine. <laughs> and that was my dream job because it was a startup paper. It was brand new. And the investors put in $6 million for everything. I mean, we had a building, we had a whole staff, had an advertising campaign, uh, presses, everything. And um we had a launch date. I think I, I think I got there about January of 2001, and we had a launch date of about I think it was like early July. And so, um, you know, we spent about five plus months just just crazily, uh, not just myself but everybody else on staff, just crazily getting all these stories together. And these were these were uh, obviously things that kind of dealt with crime and sort of the different angles to crime. And in fact, real quick here, just a quick side note. Two of the big stories I was working on was I was going to interview Charles Manson. Uh, oh, my goodness. Uh, right. And for something like that, you have to go through a lot of hurdles. It takes a while. But I was going through the process to uh, basically do that. And uh, you might enjoy the second one. The second one was there was a uh, at the time, an ex LAPD officer, female who had recently posed for Playboy. Mm-hmm. And then it got out, although, you know, how would it not get out? And then uh, she was found out. She was fired. She hired a lawyer and she was fighting, fighting the case. So yeah. those right. were going to be my two big stories among many other stories. And mm-hmm. long story short, I didn't know at the time, but there was some infighting going on between. Um, we had three investors that put up all this money and everything. And there was some infighting going on that I was not aware of. So long story short, they pulled the plug before we published. And this was like in, like I said, uh, late. That's about uh, late June of uh, 2001. So anyway, oh, that man. sort of ended my uh, newspaper stand at that point. Well, you had more time to pursue dating an exotic dancer. So exactly, exactly. Yeah. So it worked out in the end. You're good. Yes, yes, it did. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm glad. Like you're a very good writer, and I could tell. And if anybody is curious, I really suggest getting his book. It's real a really good read. It's very logical. It's very much, um, I mean, Atai, I've seen your picture and you know my cousin very well. And you're very yes. much, you're very much a very real, nice, attractive dude. You know, you're not, uh, nobody can be really George Clooney or anything. I mean, I'm not sure. a Barbie doll, of course. Uh, you know, I got my own thing. But we all have to have our appeal. And you really kind of narrow in and hone in on those things that make us stand out to other people. 
And at first I was concerned reading it because I thought, well, maybe he's trying to be manipulative, which I try not to be in my role sometimes. I don't want to manipulate people too bad. But as I read, I saw that you were really kind of just saying, look, you know, dating, it's a game and we're going to play the game and we're going to use our, you know, attributes as best we can and be as polite and sweet as we can to these girls because we really, really appreciate them. Sure. Yes, absolutely. I hope that's a compliment because I really did see that as I read it, because there's a lot of people that give dating advice. I can't remember that one guy who with the big hat. You remember that guy that had the show where he had that? that was it Tom Likas? Wasn't Tom Likas, was it? Oh, not Tom Likas. No, <laughs> no, some guy who did. I can't remember his name, but he wore this big hat and he talked about dating and how to get women in bed. And I can't remember the name, but he, he, he was very manipulative and just... Well, 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 and that was and, and and that was kind of my whole point from the start. And I think you'll find as as a woman reader, and I've let other women read this as well, and they were all impressed with it. And that was my goal from the start was that I never wanted to come across as condescending or you know sleazy or smarmy or dismissive, right? And I think you'll find as you've read this book that I go to sort of great lengths to. Not only put women, I would say, like in a positive light, but I try to also empower them about how this business works and how they can make it work to their advantage. And when I say to their advantage, I don't mean in a deceptive way. I just mean a very positive, long lasting way. And so I, you know, I, I, I really did go to like great lengths, I think, to make sure that these women, I think, were fairly represented. And I think that I, I think, I think I kind of did that. I mean, I don't know how you felt about that, but I think I kind of, I think I kind of got there. Do you, do you, did you kind of feel that yourself? I think you did. The thing I really appreciated as someone who works in the sex industry was how you talked about how this is just a job like anybody else. And there's various reasons people work in sex and work in places such as strip clubs. Um, And you talked about how it has nothing to do with intelligence. It has nothing to do with self-esteem. It has everything to do with people wanting to, uh, use a type of power and a type of, you know, leverage in what they do. You talked about a woman in there by the name of Vicky, correct? Correct. Okay. Can you describe Vicky? Cause she was really cool. She was a woman who actually worked at the club. So can you describe Vicky? I think you had like a little chapter in there about her. Can you describe her? Right, right, right. So, yeah. So Vicky was a woman that I met in the late nineties. There was a club I used to go to in Orange County. And I don't know if I can say the name on your show or not. But, right. um, yeah. Okay, so there was a great club I used to love. It was called Fritz 2, and it was off of, for those of you who know Southern California, mm-hmm. it was off of Catella, very close to the, uh, what's called, you know, Angel the Angel Stadium. Yeah. And this was like a very high-end, very high-end, you know, it was Orange County in the 90s. So it was a very high-end, very ritzy club, huge kind of two-story uh two-story place, and you would see, you know, very common to see hundreds of patrons, uh, probably maybe close to 100 dancers on, on a weekend night, and even celebrities there. It was that kind of very upscale, clean, high-end kind of place. So I met Vicky there, and she certainly fit in. She looked like, for those of you who may know, and for those of you, uh, those of you who don't know, you can look up um, 60s icon uh, Connie Stevens. She was a very cute, perky, hot blonde yeah, kind of been from right. 1960s, 70s fame, and uh, so my uh, my friend Vicky looked, I mean, really almost like a dead ringer for her. And as I got to know her, along with many of these other women, you know, they would kind of start telling me their their you know lots of their personal personal stories, things about their personal lives. And I found out that she had worked in several um, Fortune 500 companies in mid level management. I mean, she was extremely bright, had uh, yeah, two degrees. Like 
She was two degrees, one in chemistry, one in mathematics, extremely articulate, beautiful. You hear, you hear uh, that, guys? You hear that, guys? This is a woman who worked at a strip club who had a degree in engineering, you said, and chemistry? Uh, math and chemistry, yes. Math and chemistry. Okay, so don't think that they're all idiots. Me neither. You know, I've got several college degrees, don't you, Ty? Absolutely. Absolutely. No, well, and, and I'll just say this as a guy, and I think probably most guys, well, I can't say all guys, but I think most guys might, would probably agree there's nothing hotter than a woman who's Hot and also intellectually incredible, right? With that combination is just an incredible combination. It is. Uh, so um, anyway, so she starts telling me the story, though, that she had, you know, worked for a couple of these Fortune 500 companies, worked away up a little bit. And then she told me, she said, you know, the sexual harassment was so pervasive. And she said also, you know, the uh, glass glass ceiling in effect where, uh-huh. you know, she just could not promote beyond a certain point. Uh, she said it got so bad that she eventually walked away entirely and came back to the uh, gentleman's club. And she and she told me that at least there, as crazy as it sounds, she said, look, she says, here, I've got far more power. I can I can you know, I can create my own schedule. She said, the guys here do nothing but respect me here and I can make much more money and I can decide how much I want to work, how long I'm going to work. And I thought, wow, that's interesting that who would think in a strip club, uh, you know, or gentleman's club? You know, who would think that a woman would have far more power and control in a place like that versus right versus like a, you know, a normal company to work in? It's true. Yeah. I mean, I I I had a a practice. I had a you know, I did therapy and I had a practice and I decided, you know, I'm just going to start doing it from home and focusing on the sex. And I can't really use my license, my therapy license within that because sex, you know, has ethical concerns. But I thought I have far more control. I, I make people happier. And I'm I'm doing what I want to do. You know, I don't have to worry about it. I'm my own boss. I don't have to, you know, worry about any type of oath I took in my doctorate kind of things. So, yeah. So I totally get that. I understand. Yes. And so, again, that's just one, you know, again, uh, you know, one of many examples where, again, I tried very hard to at least dispel, I think, many of the myths that I think people have. And to be fair, to be fair, even myself, I'll be honest, when I first Walked in this with my friend, you know, this is back in 1992. We both had our, just to be honest, we both sort of had our own preconceived notions and ideas about how these places work. And uh, over time, you know, it's over like a decade of this kind of research, we were just uh, completely shocked about how completely different they were than what we thought, right? That was the most, I think, eye opening thing that we learned. Yeah. Yeah, it, it definitely, it definitely, it was really, you guys, you guys were both a couple of thinkers that went about on this. It wasn't like you were just horny, horny dudes going on an right. adventure. You were a thinker. Right. You're like, look, these girls are really interesting. I mean, they're fantasies. Let's see what we can do. What can happen if we kind of figure out a system? And I do like the fact that you guys talked about, well, you did because you wrote this book, even though you went with your friend, you talked about it wasn't about the money. And, uh, you know, as awesome as it is to be one of those strippers to right. find a guy to give them what you call princess money, it right. wasn't about that for you. It was about kind of being more strategic and not even getting a lot of girls at once, just kind of understanding what makes them tick and how to please them. And I thought you did a really good job in that. Um, I use the term princess money, which I really like. And did some one of the strippers tell you the term princess money or did you come up with that on your own? Uh, you know, I think one of the things is that uh, me and my friend, you know, over time, I think we gained the confidence of many of these, uh, you know, uh, you know, performers, entertainers, whatever you want to call them. 
And so oftentimes they would share with us many things about how these how these clubs operated. And so uh, one day I was talking with a specific dancer and she mentioned the word uh, princess money or words rather. And I'd never heard that. And so I, I was intrigued by that. And I was just asking her, you know, to explain what that meant. And what she said in a nutshell was she said, if you if you work in this business long enough, you're going to get clients. And she said, she said, oftentimes these are very wealthy clients. It might be you know, CEOs of companies, they might be, you know, maybe top military brass, uh, they might be, you know, people that maybe have a trust fund or whatever, but generally these are very wealthy, usually men, and they want to come in, and usually what they'll say is they'll come in and they'll say, hey, listen, they'll pick out maybe the dancer that they like or attracted to, and they'll mm-hmm. say, hey, listen, how much money would you normally make, let's say you had a good night dancing, how much on average would you make like per hour, right? Yeah. And, and the woman might say, oh, I don't know, maybe 200 bucks an hour. And he may say, okay, fine. He might say, I'd like four hours of your time, which would be 800 bucks. And he would say, I don't want to dance. I don't want to date anything else. I just want to sit and talk. I just want to talk to you. Yeah. And I was just blown away. You know, at the time she told me she had three of these kinds of clients that generally these were businessmen. They would come in during the week, you know, mid-afternoon. Uh, you know, generally, usually they were married, had families, that kind of thing. But they would come in the afternoon, was kind of slow. And literally just that, just, you know, they would basically just block off um, a certain uh, block of time, I guess, rather pay her, you know, two, 300 bucks an hour. They might stay there for three, four hours, whatever. And they just want to vent. They want to talk about their job. They want to talk about their life, talk about maybe that maybe their kids, how their kids don't uh, don't behave or how their kids are maybe aimless or maybe how the wife doesn't understand them or maybe how the job is stressful. Just anything that you would normally tell a, a therapist. They're telling these women now understand most of these women are just well. And, and again, when I say just when I say just I'm not being dismissive. But what I'm saying is these aren't normally trained mental health professionals or psychiatrists or psychologists is what I'm saying. Yeah. But it, that's OK. Generally, what these men want is just someone to listen to them. And I think most importantly, at the very end of this is to just validate them. Right. It's yes. great to have someone really pretty, really cute sitting next to you and think you're wonderful and just have you agree with all that they say and just give you some positive feedback. And I really believe that that's what they're after. Yes. And, yes. Uh, so that was kind of eye-opening as well, because uh, she had three of those uh, that came in on a, on a regular basis, I think like on a weekly basis. And I was just blown away that of all the places to go, you you have guys going to a, basically a, you know, club for entertainment and they want to just talk to someone. Yeah. So that really, that really blew me away. It's so true. It's so true. Like I do the phone sex, you know, and um, a lot of times guys just want to talk and there's a big connection between being a therapist and being a sex worker. It's, it's very intertwined because I think men, that's really kind of how they are able to open up is when they do, they are sexually attracted and they are, you know, interested in a woman then they're able to be more open and honest. Cause I think a lot of times men have their guards up and when uh, their, their guards kind of go down a little bit when they find somebody that they find interesting and attractive and it doesn't yeah. have to be some drop dead, gorgeous heartthrob heartthrob. I'm thinking right. more of men drop dead, gorgeous centerfold. It can just be a normal woman, just someone who's yes. attractive, yes. Smart, nice smile, funny. Yes. And yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And it'll disarm them. And now all of a sudden they realize that they can talk. And I too, have had men pay me. Now my rates are not that high because I'm virtual, but sure. um, they probably would be higher if I was in person and I would require Oh, absolutely. Them. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. 
But I have had people treat me very well and give me princess money. And I do appreciate it. But I like to think that I earn my princess money because of my background as a therapist. <laughs> so I like oh, to most think definitely. I it. No, most definitely. I agree. Most definitely. You do. Most definitely. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. So, yeah, no, that's I love that term. I thought that was great. Uh, any other points you want to talk about? Because it was really interesting. And, and we're not going to give away the five tips. People are going to have to buy the book. But was there any other things you want to mention? Because there was a couple little things in there that really stood out to me. I was like, wow, I never thought of that. Is there anything that you want to mention? Uh, well, I'll tell you what. Before I do, why don't you tell me, in you know, your opinion, what things kind of stood out? I'm kind of curious. Well, I actually really liked um, when you talked about the drinks. I thought that was very interesting. You talked about where to sit. That was very right. interesting, too. So right. Um, right. You, if you want to talk about that, that would be good. But you did talk about it's really not a good idea to sit where they called the tip area where the, is that what they call it? Where the guys yeah, like, right. Like the tip rail. Right. 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 Um, yeah. Um, I think, I think in a weird way, and again, this is kind of a shock to us as well, but in these places, in a, in a very bizarre way, uh, I kind of mentioned in the book that there's a very bizarre, what I call push pull dynamic. And what I mean by this is uh, obviously these are, these are women like any other women. And so they want to be desired, but at the same time, and they would tell me this, many would tell me this, but at the same time though, their most preferred candidate, uh, you know, for like a date or, or, or something like beyond the club was the guy who could resist them. And so I thought, wow, that's just such a bizarre contradiction that you, you, you obviously want the guy that is attracted to you, but at the same time, you want a guy who has willpower, who really isn't that easily you know, pushed over by you, let's say. Right. And again, that was a very bizarre, but eye-opening thing that we were not aware of. And so, so what I say in the book as well is that one of the things is um, oftentimes a performer, you know, if you get dancing from a certain uh, performer and they become your favorite, at some point they'll, they'll ask you to, you know, hey, come to the tip rail and watch my show. And uh, what we kind of found, though, was that generally um, it's best just to say, you know, you know, politely say, OK, thank you, whatever, and not go. And again, if it, it sort of sounds cruel on a surface, but again, if you understand that the whole idea is this very, this very delicate balance between desire and willpower. So when you say, okay, but you don't go bizarrely, as it may seem, they actually like that. They like the fact that you have the willpower to stay away. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. I think that's very true. I think that women that work in the sex industry get very saturated, um, you know, by men's attention because, uh, men are very narrowly focused and they they really have on or off. So to have an in-between signals to a woman, you know, that you have some willpower and that you have uh, other interests, which is more attractive. So yes. it's it's good to not always be the the horny dog, you know, in the cartoons where the dog gets all horned up or Pepe Le Pew or whatever. And they're yes. like, <laughs> yes, so yes, it's where it's just of, like, yes. yeah, yeah, tune that out a little bit. Um, it, it's actually helpful. It can, it can appeal to a woman. Um, so yeah, but, but a girl always wants to feel that she's attractive. This is for men too. Like if you're a man looking for male strippers, I think these rules would apply pretty much, but men are very different when it comes to men that they're interested in dating. They're not quite as, uh, I hate to be insulting because I don't want to say this and sound insulting. So men usually aren't as driven by the mental game by the women need to have a little bit of an emotional mental connection, just something in there. Sure. And yes. for the most part, don't sure. if they want to yeah. have sex with someone, 
But there has to be there has to be good conversation, at least, you know. Yes. Yes. They don't want to most guys don't want to talk to someone who's a total idiot. They'll want to fuck, yes. them, but they don't want to talk to them, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. No, again, I hope I don't sound insulting. Know. I'm not the most politically correct person, Ty. So I, I have to watch that. I try to watch my vocabulary and the things I say. But sex is a funny beast. So it is, yes. Yes. Hard Very complex. Say. Very complicated at times, yes. So I, um, I really I did like that. But go ahead. Do you have another point? But I was just going to say, you know, back to your earlier question, I think you were asking me if I had, I think, something to kind of say about uh, just overall about the book. And I was going to say, I think if you could, I think if you could boil the whole thing down in a nutshell. And uh, I think what I would say is that uh, people would learn, I think, that um, when, when, when they read this book, you know, human nature to me is more about patterns and how we recognize patterns and how we react or respond to these patterns. And I think volume my book down, I think that's really what it is. What I'm really doing subconsciously or not subconsciously is having the person establish a series of patterns as they go to these places that ultimately the women will respond to. And they may not be aware of this or they may be aware of this, but either way, these are sets of patterns that I have them keep doing. And ultimately, I, I believe that that's, that is what works. And I think also as well, I think the other other half of the book, uh, you know, again, is I just wanted to really dispel a lot of the myths about these places and also encourage women who might, you know, maybe be on the fence about working at one of these establishments to maybe give it a try. I mm-hmm. think they might find in some ways it might be much more empowering, let's say, much more maybe surprising than they ever could have thought of maybe. I agree with you. And I think it's happening a lot, like with a lot of women that are doing OnlyFans, you know, a lot of educated women are doing OnlyFans because they're kind of taking that power back. Uh, But it is possible to even just do what I do, which is phone sex and make make money. You can sometimes make more than you would make at a regular job. The only hard part is uh, you have to really dedicate a lot of time to it. And I think sometimes when we're in our own home, it's really hard to devote that much energy. Going somewhere else, like to a club, would be a lot easier because you could just focus, say, this is my work. Right. And what right. I would do is if I was a stripper, I would set up a little little corner and, you know, be like yes. peanuts and say the doctor is in, you know. And yes. Yes. <laughs> princess money. <Yes>. Accepted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense, though. I think it's kind of hard at home to have those kind of boundaries between work at home because you're at home. And so you're right. I think you would need some kind of way to kind of differentiate between, okay, now I'm at work, now I'm off work, but I'm still in the same place. I'm still in the same physical place, right? So, And it's difficult. It's difficult to kind of do that for women. And I, I think sometimes I the sex industry can allow women to kind of take a little bit more power. Um, but I, I thought you made excellent points. Um, did you want to comment briefly on the drink aspect? Because that was actually kind of cool. It was a good point or no? Uh, well, you know what? I think I might leave that one as a surprise because I think they will okay. be pleasantly surprised about that. So I think I might leave that as kind of a mystery, I think. A little mystery part. Okay. So, yeah. So just to describe it, what Ty does is he talks about you don't always have to go in there and have, you know, alcoholic drinks. You don't have to have shots, for God's sakes. And he talks about the strategy of actually having non-alcoholic drinks. And some of the things he brings up are really interesting. I, I never even <laughs> thought of that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really worth a read. So Ty, I really appreciate you coming on here and talking to me about this. Um, just to let everyone know, I'm going to be linking to Ty's book in the notes for this podcast. If you guys have any questions, feel free to email me, Mallory Kapinska at gmail.com about Ty McLemore and his book about gentlemen clubs and exotic dancers. Do you want to give any social media or anything for yourself, Ty, or no? 
No, I think that's perfect. I think you kind of summed it up just perfectly. Okay. Okay. But if anyone has any questions or they want to reach out to Ty, they can reach to me and I will forward it on. Ty is very good friends with my cousin. And that's how we got to be in touch. And um, I, I enjoyed your book very much. So thank you so much, Ty, for coming on. Well, uh, well, again, thank you so much as well. And I believe also, too, I believe on Amazon, I, I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe if they follow me, uh, can they also um, contact me that way also? I, I kind of forget, I don't know. actually. I don't know. I, I might have some sexuality books on there eventually, but I don't know. You know, maybe we okay, should try well, that out. Maybe I'll try to send you an email on there and I'll let you know, because that'd be fun. I want to have some sexuality stuff on there too. Something, something about fetishes because yeah, people want to talk to me about that all day. Oh, did you see one of my recent videos um, about the questions about girls in quicksand, Ty? No, I haven't seen that one. I've seen a couple other ones, but I haven't oh my seen gosh. Not... that. That one was fascinating. So apparently there's a sexual fetish. Do you remember those movies from the 60s and I think of the 70s too, where the women would fall in the quicksand, like beautiful women? Oh, yes. Yes, very well. Yes. It's it's a fetish, apparently. Interesting. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a crazy fetish. I've even gotten calls about it. But uh, I had somebody ask me a question about it and wanted to describe it. And there's even like a bulletin board where people post questions and stuff. And that was one of my most watched videos. And uh, it was incredible. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, so now I guess it begs a question. Does someone want you to actually go and get in quicksand and uh, what, I guess, would they, would they try to save you? I don't know. Well, with fetishes, you know, we talk about this all the time on my podcast, but with any fetish, it's a sensory overload and it's all an individual preference. So I would imagine the men that are in their fifties or sixties, they could have this fetish because it was something that appealed to them at that time in their life where they're developing sexually um, so it's just, it's almost like when you like a song or you like a, you know, a movie because it, right. it has a sense of nostalgia. I mean, right. fetishes right. are very much related to that. So sure, I can see that. yeah. So it's just sensory overload. I wouldn't mind doing a, a video like that. I wouldn't mind getting a quicksand. That sounds kind of fun. As long as I get well, safe. Yeah, I, I, would, I would watch it. I, I would definitely watch it. <laughs> I would, I don't want to drown, but yeah, no, like I'm wearing my, uh, my cat suit right now. And, you know, I could have some sand sticking right here on the vinyl. So yeah, that might be hot. So yeah, quicksand guys, yeah. if you guys want to help fund that, maybe I could do a video like that. Okay. That would be great. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, that was really fun. But anyway, you guys, please subscribe to my YouTube, my only fans for all the latest about my podcast and about if I get any sexual books out, because I'd love to compete with you, Ty. Maybe we can do one together. That would be great. Yes. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> all right thanks for coming on sweetie we'll take care well, okay you. well again thank you for having me all right bye 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 i hope you enjoyed listening to the dr mallory sexual fetish podcast please visit my website dr mallory 90210 for all of my information the best way to contact me is onlyfans.com happy sex Thank you.